used to what that looked. Shit. What happened? Oh, okay. Uh, Pull it up. Here we are. Oh, yeah. We are on. We are on. Uh, Welcome to Over 50 Starting Over. I'm Barry Edwards. And I'm Merle Garrison. Go. You always hesitate on that one. I didn't hesitate. I said it right away that time. You know what? I looked at the film from last week and I was like, why are you busting my balls (laughs) on this, man? Oh, (laughs) we still are working on the outro. Let's agree now. All right, I'll jump right in. I did delay the last time because I wasn't sure that you were done and I didn't want to stomp on your great production there. So So, anyway. uh, Oh, I'm going to say like leave a comment. We appreciate. But you know what? I'm not prepared for this is we were just talking about it as we came on. Are now on about four or five different platforms. And I need to. I know I need to get those pulled up and be able to say, well, it's Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and whatever. I mean, there's a couple I've never heard of. So well, yeah. it is very cool. So we have not done any promotion yet. And I thought it would be possibly, probably is a great time to start with this one, assuming that this time we have all of our production in order. Because the last one, we thought we got really good feedback on the podcast, except my audio was not on so i was getting picked up by the by the computer most people said it wasn't a big deal but uh drove me nuts i don't like the bet i don't want to bring try to bring in a new listener when we're not up to snuff with at least our audio you know yeah i know what you mean but um it is what it is and i thought the show went well and 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 like we keep talking about as far as uh, the show goes every show is going to get a little bit better especially the technical stuff so i think we're making great improvements but the last show was really good and i thought that the the, most importantly the the content was was really fun it's what it's all about yeah it has to be Fun. It has to be informative and it has to be thought provoking. So therefore, we do have, break it up into a few different segments, and it's not <clears throat> it's not rehearsed. It's not uh, <clears throat> the word I'm looking for. Uh, it's spontaneous. Yes, it's more spontaneous, but we generally start off with over 50 starting over kind of related subject matter. And that is for those of us that are making changes and evolutions in our career at our, (laughs) not advanced stage, at our uh, prime, (laughs) at our prime age of expertise and seasonality. Yes, um, yes. So We're going to get that. those discount uh, meals pretty soon. <laughs> Man, when you get that first AARP card or magazine in the mail, that's like, what? I know. I, listen, dude, I got I'm one of those. One I'm one mo- exactly one month older than Lisa. So I'm getting that stuff in the mail. And she's like, oh, you're so old. I don't think she probably. One month. Exactly. She probably like, <laughs> discontinued all that before I ever saw anything when it, you know, forget her. Uh, so we also delve into some metaphysical stuff, which is what I'm really into. That's my gig on things. And uh, you typically bring a Christian slant to those right. things, which I find very interesting. We get into some politics and current events, and we, d- we had a very full show here. And what I want to talk about from the over 50 starting over career aspect is I, I've been self-employed virtually my entire adult life since I was 27. Mm. And one thing that I've learned is that you got to have several 
at least a couple different sources of income. You know, one thing will work great for a while. Things ebb and flow, things spike in valley, the chart. And um, for about 18 to 20 years, I forget which, but I taught um, various design, digital design classes at the local college. And I really enjoyed that, but I kind of got burnt out on it at the same time. I was happy to leave when I left, just uh, <clears throat> the, well, that doesn't matter. So what I, so I've done uh, lots of different things. One of the things that we're airbnb out our other house, and that is on me. So uh, in between Airbnbers, and it stays pretty full because where we're at in Cleveland Heights, there's a lot of attraction for everything to do with the local hospitals, mostly the clinic. And also mm. a lot of people move away from here like yourself and want a place to come back and see family for a while. Right. So I stay very busy with that. And <clears throat> But in between, I'm always doing some projects as I've been this last uh, several days Doing repainting, you know, I redid the entire downstairs, the hardwood floors, the painting, brought new furniture wow. in. Now I'm on the upstairs now. And so I, uh, for a couple of days, I was doing the painting. Then it's like, oh shit, now I got to clean this place. Right. And it has to be immaculate. You yeah. know, these people. Like rate a hotel. You. Yeah. <clears throat> exactly. So after, after all that dust, after every tool I own is now out. Because that's how that goes. You're just painting. Mm -hmm. You think it's going to go so quick. And then, well, now I got to patch this. I got to sand it. I got to do ah. this. I got to rehang pictures, uh, all this crap. Right, so right. It's, it's a relative disaster after two, three days of painting. Ah. And now I clean it. And I swear to God, it takes me six hours to clean that place. Three hours, typically in the evening, in which I plan to do almost all of it because I don't want to interrupt my work day. Right was today and but i swear to god merle i get up and between the two beds all the bedding all of the clothes to wash which i do at night for the most part right but doing the floors and and when you're kicking up dust you gotta do the blinds and stuff like that too it's yeah it's like six hours so it's pretty exhausting no kidding it sounds yeah. exhausting and the and oh and on top of that yeah. yesterday uh I, I was doing this project for a nonprofit. They put their trust into me on handling their gigantic website. It's gigantic. It's a membership website that they do all this stuff with. Uh, I, I built it uh, several years ago, uh -huh. but now they got me, you know, I'm, I'm transferring it. There's so many problems with such a big site all the time. Mm. And I feel terrible about charging them what I should be charging them. So I'm up on, uh, you know, so much of the evening last night, trying to get that into place while cleaning and doing all this. This is my point. The over 50 starting over self-employed dilemma is first of all, I definitely am a big believer in having different avenues of income but then here, what I'm throwing out there is the problems with it as well. What is worth it and what is not? So that's the question. I mean, a lot of people are looking at this exact same thing with Airbnb. I mean, it is sort of revolutionary and it's a great idea. There, There's other things that they're looking at doing. For instance, the same concept with car rental. You can 
now do yeah. sort of an Airbnb kind of thing with your car. So, yeah. you know, here's the, the thing. And I and this is what I love is it's capitalism at its finest. And the, the private citizen can be in business with the assets that they have right now. But you're making such a great point right now, and it is that um, we want to be able to diversify, but we also want to have a quality of life. So you tell me, Barry, do you think it's worth it? I mean, is is the work paying off and is it actually giving you what you're looking for? Because it seems really cool what you're doing. Well, but the bottom line is, is it affording you what you were looking for? <clears throat> that is a very, very good question. And for those people out there that have been debating this, possibly, I'll say there's a couple things to look at. Uh, first of all, the area that you're in, are you going to keep full enough? You know, are, are right. you going to keep it occupied enough? Right. That's, I got to tell you, that's, I don't, I don't know the stats on it, but I'm thinking 10%. I always wonder this. Yeah. I it, always it depends. This. If you're mm-hmm. in Florida, it's a no-brainer uh, in most places. Uh, in Cleveland, uh, it's it's. I, I'm in a fortunate. I didn't realize I'm in a very fortunate area to do you this. Are. Yes. <clears throat> and so there is that. But then, how much time can I afford to do that? To do the cleaning or pay someone to turn it around? Well, to this point, it's been about a year and a half that we've been doing it. It has paid us to continue to upgrade the house. I got you. Yeah. So we'll just see how this plays out for maybe another six months to a year. And maybe it'd be like, well, maybe we look at selling it or, you know, or, or a full-time renter maybe. Is is that, I mean, destroy it. Renters. I'm going to make that point too very quickly. Mm -hmm. Airbnbers are cool because you get in within relative, uh, a quick timeframe to evaluate damage and fix it back up and they're hard on your house. Renters, it's a game of you trying to not put it, it, put as little money in it as possible while they're trying to take everything they can from you Mm -hmm. all the time. And hard, these people are hard on your place. So there's that. Well, and it depends on who you rent to, right? I mean, I, I personally rent right now just because of what it's like out here in California with the property yes. um, uh, expenses. And um, boy, Anne-Marie and I treat this house like it was ours and that, uh, you know, if we, like we would have to sell it if we were moving out. And uh, I got to say, I think we've lived here for so long, I can't even... It's embarrassing to say how long, but uh, I think my landlords are pretty fortunate to have people like us. The people that lived in our place before that um, were evicted. And so, you know, this is, yeah, and it's so crazy. And that happens here. And, you know, uh, trying to evict somebody apparently is not that easy. They have a lot of rights. Yeah, they do. Um, You know, I guess, you know, they say possession is nine-tenths of the law. And if you're Mm. in a place, you're considered possessing it. So uh, he couldn't, it took him six months to legally get her to leave the house. Wow. That reminds me. Oh, at least 20 years ago, if not more, Michael Keaton was in a movie. I don't remember the name of it, where he was that evil uh, tenant. And oh. and it was all about the laws. And it, it kind of like crazy. shed a, a light on it. So Well, and yeah. you've seen where uh, <laughs> the people have actually squatted in mansions and they can't get them out of there. Like while they're out of town, somebody jumps in there and starts living in there and they can't get them out. <laughs> 
and then because of the laws, it's uh, yeah. really quite a thing. But but back to what you're doing, and you know, compared to the rental, would you say that? Are you trying to say that on an Airbnb, it's not as hard on your house? Oh, definitely, because um, there is such a shorter time frame, and that, and I've already on two occasions. <clears throat> Pardon me. On two occasions, I had to file a grievance for damage. To, wow. Oh, I had a cat. I had a cat claw the shit out of my new couch. Oh. Yes. And oh, my God. It's a cheap new couch, but, right, but it was the first time now. I'm a lifelong dog person. Uh, the house is intentionally very dog friendly and marketed as such. Right. Yeah, privacy fenced in back yard the sliding glass door the whole nine yards beautiful patio and um so i've never had a problem with dogs i mean they've been fantastic right. but the first time uh, a lady and a very nice woman like a surgeon at the cleveland clinic she had to come up here for a stay for a month something like that and uh she brought her cat i'm like sure whatever right. and she told me towards the end she's like yeah he did some damage to the couch and i'm like well you know she was leaving the next day i'll take a look at it well, yeah, and she tried fixing it or having oh, someone try to fix it with it some, oh, oh, yes, yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We settled upon a price for it, but it, and I saw other damage to um, the molding on the sides of the sliding glass door and stuff. It, what I realized, cats in a foreign environment, they are not good. Not they are not at no. ease. No, not at, not at no. So I've since put in my, my lease, a thousand dollar retainer or security deposit. If you want to, if you trust your cat enough, you gamble on them. I'm not right. And right. Wow. So that's what I doubt that I'll be seeing any more cats. Well, well now how did the, how did it work out? I mean, were you able to get your money back quickly? We, she was very nice about it. And if she wanted, to, you know, she's a surgeon at the clinic or whatever, or, uh, in general, I mean, she got brought out here for about a month for a stay for whatever reason. Right. Uh, so she's a high end professional and, uh, no, she was very, uh, very, um, cooperative in working it out. But <clears throat> at the same time, I was out of a couch and right. Right. <laughs> and I, since uh, Lisa and I, since um, took it upon ourselves to just replace the key pieces of furniture down there, but it wouldn't have had to have been done if not for this. It was a gigantic inconvenience and it cost me more money than otherwise would have been. Well, so it's, it's, right. it's a terrible situation, yeah. but what I really want to get uh, the real point of this is about different avenues of making money. Right. Airbnb right. is great, be, in my opinion, versus renters because you keep your uh, as long as you have people that can uh, keep it full. But there's other ways as well. Like uh, in your instance, uh, I would like to see you get into doing some speaking spots oh sometimes. I, love, I love that kind of stuff too so yeah. that would be my my ultimate favorite is if i could just go around and just speak on different topics yeah topics that i'm interested in i would be i, I mean you know that's my yes. thing i mean here i well, am with the microphone right now us, here, hey i'd like to see us doing it i'd but like to see that too i like I'm, Yes. And I mentioned before as well, uh, I could see uh, you 
or you and well, I already do. I do one-on-one business consultation. That's my real gig is marketing consultation. And you can certainly do similar with your sales direction. Uh, Other ways uh, you could write books, you can have many eBooks and so forth um, to help supplement your income. If you're more of a trades kind of person, uh, I don't know, you can do group kind of things, maybe hold seminars on how to show people how to maintain their car over the year or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Something There's I- different ways to supplement while also advertising your own skills. You know, something I've thought a lot about, you know, a, a dream of mine is that I personally, I love what you're saying, by the way. And this is something in my heart. I am a person that believes in, you know, my Christian faith. But I feel like a lot of people mm-hmm. in the Christian faith are are caught in a dilemma that I personally was caught in as well. And, you know, there's a revelation that I didn't have in the Bible about something called grace or unearned favor. And so w- while I was had not learned about it, I felt like God was mad at me. I felt like I was letting him down somehow and that um, it was making me very unhappy. And when I learned this little thing, I mean, it made all the difference in the world that God loves me no matter what my choices are. He's not angry at me. He'll never be angry at me. He loves me the same way he loves Jesus. And without knowing that, it was having a a pretty dramatic impact on my life. And I I just didn't feel free. And, you know, I feel like in the Christian church today, what they're hearing a lot about is, the law, the Ten Commandments, and how they've broken the Ten Commandments, and that they're sinners, and that Guilt. they need to somehow redeem Shame. themselves by doing works. And that's I archaic. Feel the same way, yeah. I felt, and that's not. <clears throat> I've read the Bible several times. That is not what Jesus is saying. And so, when you start to understand that He's actually done all the work for you, and that you can be free just to be you, and that He actually designed you for such a time as this, so that the gifts that He's given you are appropriately designed to bless all the people around you. And when you start to think like that, it changes your life. Well, I feel like there are a lot of people that are in the church that are stuck in that ditch, just like I was. And so what I would like to do is put a book together about my experience around this. And then I'd like to go around the country and maybe even the world and talk about how people can be freed from this and have joy in their life and that they could be free just to be them, knowing that God loves them just as much as he loves his son, Jesus Christ. So I think that would be so fulfilling to see people being freed from that snare, that that would be just a joy in my life. I, I like what you're saying, Merle. Um, as I think about I know that you're, if I say it correctly, an ordained Christian minister, correct? I am, yes. Okay. Uh, so a lot of people might say, well, having known that, why don't you just set up your own ministry? Yet it sounds like, ah, I want my portable ministry to take on the road. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. I, I've thought a lot about this. I personally see myself as an evangelist. So mm-hmm. I'm not the person that would have a church where everybody comes every week and I just stay in one place. Uh, and that's not in my DNA either. All my mm-hmm. life I've been in sales. So I, I can't sit behind a desk all day long. That's right. that's going to drag me down. I got to get outside. I got to get yeah. on a plane. I got to get in front of people. I, I love people. And mm-hmm. so this matches up to exactly who I am is that I would be able to go out and maybe to a particular location and, and set up in a church for a week and and help the community to be free, even help the pastor to show the flock how to be free and mm-hmm. how not to be burdened by uh, the cares of the world, knowing that God is for you. I mean, there's a scripture that says that um, he will not know, not ever leave you nor forsake you. And there's another scripture that says, and this is God speaking to you, beloved, above all things, I want you to prosper even as your soul prospers. And so God has a plan for your life, a plan to prosper you, not to harm you. But here we go around all day long and we're thinking, oh, God, I got to do this. So God will bless me and have favor on Mm -hmm. me. He probably thinks he knows what I just thought about a couple of minutes ago. (laughs) He's mad at me now. You know, and people go around like that and just saps the joy and the energy right out of their life. And when you see people that have this revelation, I mean, they're almost walking on a cloud. It's it's like uh, um, this joy aura is around them. And when you come in contact with them, you feel that joy as well. I want to spread that around the world. I think I think that's what the world needs more totally than anything agree. else right now. I we think live in a dark time. Yeah, we do. And we talked about how just uh, on TV, how difficult it is to find something just in your casual, want to go to bed, watch something on TV to unwind and how difficult it is to find something that's not dark. And yeah, (laughs) but I do think there is quite an awakening that has been going on for a couple, a few decades now, and it's becoming more and more so. And there's quite a bit of an awareness that everything is made up of energy today. People do realize that, that you and I are not, we do not have the same atoms and molecules in us now that we had a year ago. They bounce around and uh, they bounce throughout the universe, but we are somehow held together by this energy. Mm. Um, But everything is always exchanging. So everything is made up of energy. And the difference between positive and negative energy is I always bring up the uh, the concept of manifestation and so on. And that is in and the power of prayer. I absolutely believe in the power of prayer. And it's and it's harnessing additionally what you were saying about shame and guilt. Uh, and it's a bit of an older method, I think, in Christianity of using shame and guilt to control people, but it's so damaging. Uh, shame is. and guilt only exists to control other people. Think about that. Shame yeah. and guilt only exists to control another person. It's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. If you, if you want to train a, a, a dog or if you want to raise your kid in the best light possible, unconditional love is the best bet and it gets taken advantage of on occasion. 
So you got to get stern there. You have to be stern at times and reel that in. But if you want to try to control them by making them feel shameful and guilty, well, I'm going to use your terminology there. You're put, you're bringing them to the dark side. Yeah. Now they're playing with. I totally devil, agree. You know. Well, and yeah. you take a look at the Bible and you take a look at how Jesus behaved with uh, his followers and even not non-followers and how he spoke to them. He didn't shame and guilt them. So the church shouldn't do that either. Um, there's a uh, there's a great scripture where Jesus is in uh, uh, Samaria, which um, the Jewish, uh, the Jews and the Samarians did not like each other. And so Jewish people would not go through Samaria. There's a long history there. But Jesus, being a Jew, went through Samaria and he told his disciples that he had a special appointment there. So when he got there, his disciples left him. And this woman, he has this encounter with this woman at the well. And he he knows that she has had five husbands and the person that she's living with is not her husband. But he doesn't shame her. He actually, he actually tells her that he knows all about her. And she's amazed by this. But then she says, but why are you a, a Jew speaking to me? Jews don't speak to Samarians. Samarians. And he shows her complete respect and lets her know that she's talking to the Messiah. What ends up happening is she becomes an evangelist and goes around the town and starts telling people. Now, she was a shamed woman, but now suddenly she's been redeemed. She starts telling people all about the Savior has come and he knew all about me. And because of that, people believe, come and are saved. Well, it's just your exact thing. This woman was at the lowest rung of society, and here Jesus respects her. He doesn't shame her for the sin that she, that she's in, and also encourages her. The, we should take this example for everyone we ever come in contact with. Shame is the dark side. We should be pulling people up, not like crabs in a bucket and pulling them down into the hole. So I totally agree with you, Barry. Well, I actually have an even more personal example of that. When I first met you, and then shortly thereafter, your brother Scott in college, all those years ago, yeah. I, uh, I was a different place. Not that I'm so totally different, but we all I, yeah, very true. But I'll tell you what, you guys knew the concept of unconditional love, hmm. and I behaved often in a way to people that as immature as I was, that was trying to get a, a real blue collar kind of trying to get a rise out of people being brash and saying, you know, harsh things and so on. But I would be met with you guys with no resistance and just love. And it made me think it planted a seed in me. And then I'd be like, what do those guys have that I don't have? Wow. So then I started seeking it out. You guys taught me that by example. And not that I'm great at it or anything, but I seriously, that kind of impact that you guys have had on my life is it's irreplaceable. You know where I've also gotten it? From where? My, my dogs. Yeah, you know, it's you know? funny about that. They know unconditional love. They, they are sure. the they're, they're transmitters of unconditional love. You made me cry a little bit there. Well, Barry, that was very it. honoring. 
Oh, it, and it was very true. Uh, I always, I for years have had a uh, saying, my own saying that I think that dogs are the true angels on earth because they are, it, it, to me, God is simply pure, unconditional love. Yeah, that he is. Absolute purest, nothing Amen. else. Amen. And I think that we're all pieces of that. But dogs are in its pure form, just little droplets. They seem to be ambassadors of yeah. agape love. Just Yeah, without I question. I mean, come on. And my my dog was definitely that. And I, I think about her all the time because mm-hmm. of that love. The, and, and, you know, dog spelled backwards is God. Yeah, there you go. How coincidental. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's a coincidence. I don't really believe much in coincidences. No, me neither. Me neither. Hey, I wanted to go back to something else that you were saying sure. in the beginning. Let's see. We talked about, uh, you were talking about um, unconditional love. Let's see. It was, it, it, you, you made a transition and oh boy, I might've forgotten it. Um, oh, 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 I know what it is. The atom and, and how Ooh. atoms are held together and being made up of energy. What a great thing that you're saying. I totally agree. Um, mm-hmm. One thing that I found out is that in science, you know, they've identified the atom and, and the parts of the atoms, the, the protons, electrons, and neutrons. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a mystery around every atom, and that is that scientists are looking at that and saying, by all means, this... The, the, it, have you ever tried to put two magnets together and push them together and how sure. they repel each other? That's sure. what that's what every atom should be doing. And they can't mm. figure out how these atoms are being held together. Mm. Well, here's the deal is in the Bible it says that Christ is who holds all things together in the universe. He's the glue that's keeping even atoms together. Mm. It's it's a really interesting concept when you join that together with um, with what you were talking about. There's an interesting study about a pro- a protein called lanolin, and um, and apparently lanolin is a substance that holds together uh, our our atoms in our bodies. And mm. when um, and when we were finally able to create microscopes that were power, powerful enough to be able to see what these pro, what these proteins looked like, and you can look this up, they look like the cross. Hmm. Well, that's that's interesting. Yeah. I I read about quantum physics for years. A couple twenty plus years ago, I used to get discover magazine. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yeah, it's of, course, a, of course. Yeah. It's a bunch of quantum physics and I'd have to, I've always been interested like in the this string kind of theory. Oh, that it's so freaking difficult. And I'd be is. reading it. And then of course I'd have to reread it like almost each paragraph. And All I'd right. be like, I got it. Oh my God. I got it. Did hey. you? Yeah. No, I'd be like, yeah. Hey dude. So here's what quantum physics is. Uh, and it would slip away shit. just like you had a dream last night and you're like, oh, here's what I dreamt about. Exactly. Oh, never that's mind. Exactly. That's exactly the analogy. <laughs> I, I got that. I, the I read secrets stuff are like all that. there. We're just not quite evolved enough to quite get it. You know, we're getting there. Our brains are getting there. And that's, we talked last time a bit, or I, at least I did, about how 
once again, so coincidentally, all the things that are coming together all at once. They, and from your point of view, it'd be the second coming of Christ, Christ coming back to earth. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, from a more sci- scientific point of view is uh, singularity when either robots gain consciousness or we melt with robots. And there's still the there's immortality there if we put our consciousness into computers. Um, people have different definitions on singularity. Uh, and then there's like the Mayan calendar. Everything is supposed to come to a head here real soon. I agree. I agree. And it, it's Good. like that's the, the same with the understanding on quantum physics, unlocking that on what happens when we die. Like to me, like to you, you have your absolute belief in what happens after we die. To me, I'm like, I can't fucking believe we don't, we don't have firm, conclusive evidence of what happens after you die. Not to mention communication with that realm. That to me is like, that's how freaking primitive we are. Well, think right? about this. This is, I love what you're talking about. But this I is so have, stimulating. I've got, oh, a, I got I a point on this, but go ahead. Yes. Oh, oh, I didn't. I just wanted to say we can come back to it. What's your point? Well, well you know, the, this whole thing about about life and, and, and joining up with machines and, and immortality, I think is a really interesting concept because you're seeing machines being input into people right now. I mean, we've used the pacemaker sure. for some time to extend people's lives. And so we have technology for sure that extends people's lives. Now, here's the nexus, though, is that I believe as we take a look at all the technology that's been invented in the last 150 years and then compare that to all of human history, we're definitely at a hockey stick uh, type of a graph when we take a look at how quickly technology has advanced. I mean, exponentially, just just 120 years ago, there were no planes in the sky. Today, you can't even look in the sky without seeing a plane up there. Many of us were living in log cabins. Yeah, yeah. So, so this this uh, technological, uh, if that's even a word, uh, uh, exponential uh, growth that we've had uh, seems to cause people to think that science is really leading this whole thing. And my challenge is that science is actually being used by God. That's really what I believe here. Because as you take a look at how science is advancing and then take a look at what it says in the Bible, you'll see that the technology that's been introduced matches up to the prophecies that are in the Bible. And how could they possibly know that? For instance, um, there's a mention of a cashless system in the Bible. Um, we're, we've over our, our lifetimes, a cashless system has been gradually growing to I almost, almost no, I never complete adoption. Exactly. I have exactly. a credit card and a debit card. I just use my debit card for everything. Now, when we take a look at science, science is based on reason. And we, we, as human beings were given this gift by God to be able to use reason to figure out everything around us. That's, that's the beauty of science is that it's based on reason. So we've been able to figure out things all the way up until let's say the big bang. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's what science is talking Mm -hmm. about. But beyond that, science is limiting because once you get to the big bang, there's no reason within science 
to tell us what started the Big Bang or what was before the Big Bang. So as human beings, we really have to use our reason to go beyond science, just like you're saying, what happens after we die? We have mm -hmm. to use our reason to realize that there's something bigger than you and me oh, and sure. science out there. And that uh, science is very limiting. And if we stick to the, the reason of science, we're going to stunt our growth spiritually. Because when you look at all the evidence, there is a power out there that is greater than you and me. And it's pretty obvious when we use our reason. So I, go ahead. I totally agree with you. And that's where quantum physics can come in and explain I, a lot. For I me. see that. I see that. Yeah. And because traditional science is based on Einstein's theory of relativity, which works good enough that we can put a remote a spacecraft onto the moon or Mars by all the calculations that we, you know, do over this time. Uh, but we cannot figure out certain things like, like oh, why we're here. Well, sure. There's absolutely that. I'm just going to try to make this kind of brief, but if you're talking about the big bang and how after the big, okay, everything blew apart in the big bang, mm -hmm. everything slowly starts coming back together. Gases form planets and suns and so on. And then on this earth, and you would have to assume if it's happened here, then in the infinite uh, sky out there that it's had to have happened uh, other times, but uh, the primordial ooze gets a little bolt electricity and sparks life, and then this life evolves into what is, you know, all, all the different evolution theory to you. Right, right. Theory, I believe it. Uh, but man, the human species roamed the earth for thousands of years, if not hundreds of thousands, as I believe, until they finally got together and formed a tribe, stopped being just completely nomadic, but is when the written word came about. Boom! Evolution skyrocketed. And I mean skyrocketed. And to me, the, the uh, uh, events of the last 30 years with the personal computer, these are all the same thing, personal computer, internet, smartphone, boom, just equal amount of a, a jettison straight upward in evolution. Uh, I do, oh, so I believe I, I talked to you, I teased the th my theory on infinity that when I was much younger, I couldn't just simply believe in straight Christianity because I couldn't explain infinity. Like for me, it's like, well, what, what did God do before 6,000 years ago? for right. the previous hundred years, previous thousand years, previous million years, and so on. Um, so I needed more. Uh, in, in many ways, I needed more. I needed to understand infinity. And so to me, I believe that we're all coming back together as one. I believe that God is the one, one, whole. Everything is whole. And then, boom, like a heartbeat, it blows apart. The Big Bang. This has happened an infinite number of times. We all come. So it's kind of like um, our um, our instinct for survival that every every being has. That is for evolution. 
we strive and just absolute with all of our might, that is our prime instinct is to survive and do whatever it takes to survive. And that is what makes us evolve because we want to get back to being one again. And that what, what is one, what is it's God. We're becoming more God. We're always becoming more godlike. I believe we were animals and we have evolved into this highest species in on earth. And yeah, we're becoming more and more godlike all the time. We're gonna become we're gonna come one again and then blow apart again. I think that's very interesting. I I, I disagree with you on many fronts sure. on that whole thing, but um, I think that we can agree on certain things in, in what you were saying here. And um and, and I'll just dwell on one thing, which is what you said about uh human the human species having the drive for life. And there's uh, almost an invisible thing that's inside of every single one of us that wants to live. Oh, yeah. And, and I say that, and I think you would agree, that that's something that the manufacturer put inside of each one of us. Mm -hmm. And and that's a, a common thing that we all have as species out here. Even bugs. We want to live. Yep. And when I think about like a little tiny bug, how in the world does that little brain know this? And right. what the heck are they thinking? Mm. And, and you know, I just, but one thing I have a hard time wrapping my head around, just like you have a hard time wrapping your head around infinity. And by the way, I don't think that any of us are capable of wrapping our heads around infinity. I think that's a God I could thing. explain it more and then it gets mind bending. It yeah, truly it, does. it's, it's like correct. looking into that infinity mirror. Like yeah. you'll never be able to see all of it. And yes. so, um, but I do want to, I know I'm all over the place right now, but now mm -hmm. that we're talking about infinity, there is something in the Bible that references infinity in just a beautiful way. And it goes to exactly what I was talking about before, that God says that under the new covenant, which is grace, that he has placed your sin and my sin as far as the east is from the west. And I think that as I contemplate that and contemplate the fact that God sees me as his beloved and not as a per, as a failure, which mm. really, if you look at my life there, I, I've missed the mark many times. Mm. Um, the, the fact that he said the east from the west instead of the north from the south is is very interesting to me, because mm. as we sit here on the earth, I can go to the north until I get to the point where I can't go north anymore, that I would actually be going south. Sure. But I can go west and never get to the end. Oh, that's interesting. Never get to the end. So uh. in other words, God didn't put your sin in a place where it could be found. He drove it away to infinity. Wow, okay. So this is the whole thing. We all have this guilty conscience on the inside that I'm not good enough. We talked mm. about anxiety mm. before and, mm -hmm. and that whole condemnation thing or disqualification. Mm -hmm. This is exactly what I'm talking about, is that God doesn't disqualify you. All of your disqualifiers have been driven into infinity. There's no place in the ocean deep enough. It's as far as the east is from the west, and I think that's beautiful. Oh, I do too. I, I do think it's beautiful. That's how much he loves you. 
I just want to uh, cap this part of it off. We could talk about infinity forever, oh, and we will get infinity. back to it. Yes, <laughs> we can. Uh, I don't. What I don't want anybody to get out of this is that I say with the Big Bang, God got blown pieces and is coming back together. God is that's part of infinity. That's wait, wait, why you're I have still, to say that again because you broke up a little bit right there. Oh, okay. I don't want anybody to misconstrue with what I said about my theory of the Big Bang being we're all whole. That is true, God. All whole. There's no up, down. There's no time. There's no space. Everything exists all at once. That's the purest form of God that there is. And when it goes ba-boom and then starts to come back together and the whole thing thing coming back to how I believe what you're saying about how even a little bug has that zest for life. The survival instinct is controlled through God. God still exists infinitely, infinitely. Yeah, he does. I agree with you there, Barry. But we just have a, a whole lot of this stuff that it got it blown out into the physical realm. Now there's space and time and um, life and death and all of this coming back together. So Again, we can go on and on about that, and we will. We'll 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 talk. Yeah, more we'll come about back. This. this is a great one. It, it truly is. And in, in fact, I would love to go for two hours on this. But in our hour time, I do want to get onto some other things. There's like okay, three great things. Um, first of all, I caught Tulsi Gabbard on Joe Rogan's podcast, oh, two and really? a half hour podcast. Oh my gosh, I thought that was awesome. It was really awesome. If I had to vote today, I'd definitely be voting for her. And she's like 36 or 38 years old. Right. But you a vet. Her feet are so firmly planted on the ground. It's unbelievable. She's totally anti-establishment. She's so against those super PACs and any corporate uh, funding for her uh, campaign. And yeah, so on. Yeah. She's like, man, everybody else has already bought before they get in there. They had the best of intentions, but if they want to get real, like that, that's what they tell themselves. Well, I'll take it now, but, and I'll, you know, and so people, uh, uh, entities like Google and Facebook and, who are truly running this country, they have the best of these politicians have the best of intentions of going in there and then I'll break them up, you know, but no, now they need reelected. So they got to play ball. She is none of that. Google blackballed her. One of those, uh, what do you call the democratic uh, debates? Uh, right, they, right. they, yeah, they like blackballed. She was like the highest searched person, and her I shit remember. wasn't coming. Yeah. Well, yeah. here's the thing: is wh- let me ask you, why don't the Democrats embrace Tulsi? Oh. Definitely, she answered that very for a long time because she's anti-establishment. She's not part of the machine. That's all there is she's to it. She's not an establishment person. Then, and here she is. Go. She is the epitome of what my understanding the Democrats were looking for. They're looking for a woman. They and say helps they are. She's a vet. She is a woman of color. She's a Democrat. She's she fits all of the profile of who they seem to think is their favorite person, but she disqualifies herself because she's anti-establishment. She's not a part of the uh, political elite. She's for the people actually. And I think that that's Uh, where the problem lies today in the democratic party. Party. They seem extremely 
um, hypocritical here. And if you take a look at um, the senator uh, that just dropped out, Kamala Harris, the funny thing that I was hearing is that the reason that she had to drop out is that um, the public isn't ready for a black female president. <laughs> and the thing that I was saying is how can these people be saying, and they were all Democrats that were saying this, how can they say this? Because these are primary voters, meaning they're all Democrats that are voting. So are you saying that the Democrats are prejudiced against black women? And by the way, most black women are in the Democratic Party. So are you saying that black women are prejudiced won't, against won't black, black women? Vote for black women? Yeah, it's I'm, insane, man. I, it, they'll play I'm, the race card every time. But I'm, I also firmly okay. believe that if they would divide that party up in half, uh, really two thirds and one third, meaning that far left, that, they're not really part of the true democratic party anyway. They, they really should say, go create your own Marxist party or your communist party, whatever. But yeah, don't try to play ball here. You're, you're messing up the, the party. I mean, it's, they don't have a chance. Yeah. Well, and and I've seen, I mean, looking at the history of the Democratic Party, though, that's been happening since well before you and I were born. I mean, mm. this is this has been I mean, if we take a look at the New Deal that Roosevelt put together, um, there are, are all the seeds of socialism are inside the New Deal and that were not here before. So, I mean, you know, um, this has been a coordinated effort by the progressives for, um, you know, a couple generations now, almost 100 years. Over yeah, here since Wilson. I, I really understand what you're saying. And I'm going to throw this out for another topic that we're going to have to pick back up on because it's so heavy is I absolutely believe that we need to have safety nets socialism within our country. And uh, I, I don't believe anybody should be thirsting to death or starving to death or I agree. even homeless. Um, well, as difficult as it is, because it's the it's the whole thing about uh, uh, unconditional love versus tough love. Oh yeah, you get people yeah. that take advantage of it. They need smacked back over. Like, hey, you got to participate. We're a cooperative society. I, it's I totally a tough agree. call. But I would say this: that the charity aspect of America does not belong in government. Government oh, I agree. Can't, can't provide totally charity. Agree. Charity is something that you give out of the goodness of your heart. That's mm. the government doesn't have a heart. Okay, so <laughs> uh, you have to give, and that's why charity was in the church, and it was taken away from the church through. New Deal policies. And right. um, and then you take a look at Lyndon B. Johnson, where um, it m makes it so that uh, the church can't even participate in government decisions. And that's been an American tradition here. So we we've changed how charity is provided here, and we've yes. turned it into a socialism a type of thing, where in capitalism, it's driven by compassion, and the compassion is where it's all the, the charity system. comes from. But when you tax people at 40, 50, 60%, they can't and, and, and use it under the guise of we've got to provide for all these people sure. that are poor. Well, actually, those are policies that are creating more and more poor people. 
Yes. And so, um, cover, so it's sort of a, yeah, it's sort of an axiomoron. It's, you know, um, we've got to take care of the poor, but our policies are creating more poor. So every year we've got, we need more money to keep and take care waste, of the growing poor population. And the waste. Oh, and, I mean, the, the you know, where the hammer ridiculous. costs a thousand dollars. And the corruption that takes place. Well, when so I'm just unjust. going to say, because yeah. we need to talk about this subject more. And that is, <laughs> this one is going to be like, mind blow. But all right, our, we are quickly, as we talked about with technology, we're quickly becoming more and more automated. I mean, exponentially. Right. And we will not be able to employ these 7 billion people in this world, not to mention the 350 or whatever that is, million that is in this country. We're going to pick up on that. Okay. okay? And I'm going to tell you right now that it's I disagree with you. Cool. Can't wait. I, no, to talk I can't wait to have that. the conversation. It's gonna be great. Because <laughs> okay, there's cool. two more things I want to cover. Okay, We've got no. eight eight minutes. Let's go with the easy one first. Like, nah, we got to go with the important one first. What What are your thoughts on? Uh, I think the impeachment hearings are now over with. With yes. a whip, correct? We've heard today that from Nancy Pelosi that uh, they are now drawing up the articles of impeachment. Oh, okay. okay. That was an announcement this morning. Oh, I think that's going to not go well. I really don't. I think it's a big problem for the Democratic Party. It's After true. looking at all of the testimony, I don't see any evidence, any evidence. And that's what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. And 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 the, the problem is, and much like Jonathan Turley was saying in the hearing yesterday, that uh, who, by the way, is a Democrat, uh, didn't vote for Trump. Uh, but he seemed to be the most reasonable person there. And he was saying, look, um, I'm not saying that Trump isn't guilty. I'm saying you have not allowed the evidence to be presented. And there are people that you are Due keeping process. out of this um, that need to be heard from in order for you to have all the evidence, in order for you to make a decision. But you're purposely not bringing in the people that have direct evidence. The only people you're bringing in yeah. are all hearsay people. And why would they bring in in the first day of the uh, the judiciary um, uh, uh, committee uh, for professors, law professors? Mm. I mean, none of them had any direct evidence. Who cares what they think? I mean, seriously, why do we care? What those people think, we can all read the Constitution. All the information is there. The Federalist Papers are there. Everything they talked about was there. Here's the part that made me upset was when they would ask Jonathan Turley questions, um, a lot of times he would disagree with the Republicans. And every time he would come up with a point, he would talk about the Constitution and what the Constitution says. But mm -hmm. then he would he would make the astute point that in order to define what they're saying here, we have to go back to the Federalist Papers that are where the the founders are actually talking about the reasons why we put these things in here and the definition for those things. And there's a record of all of the conversations they had around the debate at the Constitutional Convention. So when we say, I wonder what the founders were thinking, we can go right to the mm -hmm. record and see what they were thinking. So when they were asking the three other uh, uh, professors, well, what do you think the founders would say about this? They would say things like, well, I can't tell you what they were thinking, but I think they would say this. And then the, which 
that's that's disingenuous. But then when they would ask Jonathan Turley the same questions, he might say, well, I disagree with you, but here's what the founder said. And then he would read verbatim from the Federalist Papers or exactly what they said about what they had written. And Mm -hmm. so to me, and the other thing was the three other professors, everything the Democrats asked them, they agreed with. And I even heard one of them say uh, about Yovanovitch, what by all all accounts Yovanovitch was doing a stellar job how would a professor of law know that I mean it's a script it's yeah you can see through it they were planning this all along they have no evidence we've never seen anything like this It's a complete partisan Mm -hmm. attack and this Mm -hmm. in Federalist 65 this is exactly what Madison was concerned about Mm -hmm. and this is how exactly how not to use impeachment and it's sick yeah. what's happening. And I think they're shooting themselves in the foot. And I think they're going to get destroyed mm-hmm. in the 2020 election. Well, I do too, unless Tulsi Gabbard comes to the rescue to redefine that party. Uh, I really do. do. How could she possibly do this? I mean, yeah, the you're establishment right. is too. The only thing that she can do is exactly what Hillary snookered her with is running as a third party. And she mm. immediately said out of her mouth she wouldn't do that. I don't know about you, but I think she should do that. I, I, I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, okay. Uh, just the uh, a light on the lighter side of our uh, current events. Did you hear about this sports announcer who just got suspended because of what he said about Lamar Jackson, the um, Baltimore Ravens quarterback? No, not at all. Okay. So he says... Uh, he was talking about L- Lamar Jackson's ability. He's got a great fake, like a fake handoff, handoff or something like that. And, you know, he's kind of like, if you know of him, I don't know. He's like the new Randall Cunningham. Oh, yeah. I one of those Randall. running quarterbacks yeah, that yeah. are exciting to watch and then yeah. they fizzle. Uh, well, right now, Lamar Jackson's been lighting up the NFL. They're picked to go to the Super Bowl and all that. Oh, wow. Um, he said Lamar Jackson's dark skin with a dark football and the dark uniform, it's why, you know, helps him uh, camouflage that ball. He got suspended for that when it was just an observation. <laughs> That's they, hilarious to me. They took that all the way to <laughs> what race? You can't, you can't come in. I mean, I don't know. What if he was Whitey Whitaker and uh, his, Whitey. you know, play a baseball and, you know, you can't see the baseball. You could talk about that all day long. That's hilarious. Know? I mean, what kind of world do we live in here where you, 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 here's the politically correct world is that you're not allowed to say what the truth is. It's just plain and simple observation. It was, it's the truth. Nothing racist about that. Right. Right. Well, it's a lot like, and, and I, I, you know, a lot of things that Trump has said, um, and specifically about the border and Mexicans. And they're all saying, well, Trump said that Mexicans were all rapists and murderers and drug dealers. He didn't say that. I he know. Said, he said that a lot of them are coming up here and that we can see the stats on that whole thing. Sure. And, sure. and now here's the other thing that we saw on the border is that they're now coming after the Trump uh, administration and saying that uh, you're putting these kids in here and, 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 and throwing them to the pedophiles. And it's like, wait a second. 
if all these people coming across the border were all such great people, how did pedophiles get in there? <laughs> once again, once again, open mouth, insert foot. Complete right, right. hypocrisy at all at great all turns. Team. Now this drives me crazy. But when good, when decent people have their lives destroyed, careers ruined, or even this guy suspended, okay. So it may not sound like a big deal, but that's going to follow him around. That's that's horrible. I I just wish that there were you know when people call other people. This was this is where it gets right to the point. We've got this social media app here in the Heights, and when it first came out about five years five years ago, man, people were just calling their neighbors racist left and right. What? Oh, oh my yeah. gosh, it's horrible. That is slander. It is oh. liable. It's, and so what, what I'm saying is now expand on the national stage. Like you need one good lawyer to sue somebody for slander and libel when they say something unfounded. That is the worst thing you could say I agree. about somebody. Well, look but, at what's uh, happening. These things are happening. What about that kid down in Kentucky where they CNN and several other news agencies bashed him and said that he went after that Indian with his MAGA hat oh, on and everything? I mean, oh, those people are suing the crap out of those good. CNN and uh, some good. of the other news agencies for multiple millions of dollars for defamation. I mean, they, they ruined this kid's life before he yeah. can even get out of high school. Yeah, no, and uh, I'm glad you said that. You know, I just pulled up something. I think it was this morning or last night or something. I, I just kind of read the headline, and it was about, it mentioned about the me media bias. And I just saw that it said that 90% of all the media is controlled by five corporations. That's correct. That is correct. And this is why they all say the same thing at the same time. Because we mentioned that like on the last podcast. Yes, we did. And I asked, how is it that they all decide to change talking points and all at the same exact time? Because there's a group of that's people it. that are writing it for everybody. That's that's wow. really it's like why. the memo goes out. man. So there's a, a TV uh, one American news network. I don't know if you ever heard of them before. Um, they are on my uh, AT&T verse. They are privately held by a family. Mm. And um, the, you would not believe how different the news is on that station. And they've been doing an expose on what's happening in the Ukraine. And they've got all of these Ukrainian officials uh, that the State Department has been trying to keep out of the country. So they actually had to go to the Ukraine to interview these people. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, um, the lawyer that uh, that Biden had fired, uh, the one Lutsenko who took over, says that Yovanovitch came to his office and told him to drop the charges and investigation against Burisma and uh, several other places. And he said, there's no way I'm ever going to do that. Sent a letter to the State Department and never heard anything back from the United States. The letter was saying that Yovanovitch is a criminal and that she's corrupt and that she's trying to um, she's trying to manipulate their legal processes over there. So, um, you know, and what we're seeing over there is this complete conspiracy that the Democrats used with the Ukrainians in order to affect the election. And Hunter Biden is in the middle of this whole thing 
this company Burisma has been money laundering through uh, Franklin Templeton, and that's where the money is going into. And these guys are getting kickbacks. Giuliani has evidence that uh, Biden's son got a three million, at least one three million dollar kickback from the money laundering scheme, and they've got all of this hardened evidence. When you compare that to what we're seeing in the impeachment hearings with mm. all hearsay, um, the story is pretty easy to figure out. No, I totally agree. I mean, it's I. This sounds silly, but it's true. Is this the world is really run at a deep state level for right now? A, yes. Yeah, a large part, and we are at a minute and three seconds, so we're gonna have to wind this up, man. We got a lot of follow up to do from this yeah. show. Got a lot, a lot done of on the show today too. Pardon me. A lot. We got a lot accomplished on the show today. I too. think so. It was a brisk pace, but Lisa's got to get off her bike. So we're running over here. And uh, <laughs> hey, just want to say we're on about five different plat- pod- podcast platforms right now, such as iTunes, Google Play. Um, those are the big ones. There's a couple more. And please Spotify. give us. Yes. And Spotify, of course. Please uh, give us some comments. Give us some questions. Love to hear from you. And like the show and share it with your friends. You know what, Barry? I saw the last show we got uh, over 30 views, which is great during a holiday season. Since but let's we've see. done no pub- publicity yet I at know. All. We it's need to really start with fun. this one. We need yeah, to start yeah. with this one. So keep yeah. passing along. Obviously, we're blessing some people with um, with just you know the information that's coming across. And yeah. All right. Love, uh, love you guys. And uh, let's uh, see you next week. All right, Barry. Take care. All right. See you tomorrow.